Hello and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and tonight, episode 45 of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, season one, episode five. And as we know, I always give the shows my own title. So this week, A Tale of Two Faces. Let's jump into it. We first start out at the Met Gala luncheon thing, whatever you want to call it. This is the event, as we know, that Mary held the Met Gala that's in the daytime that doesn't really have a discernible theme. Other than opulence, I will give her that. She definitely went all out. There's some elements that we talked about last week that I may not have necessarily put all together, but when you tie it up all in a bow with everybody getting a pair of Louis Vuitton earpods, who can argue with whether or not you're going to be eating your lunch with betta fish in front of you? So we we pick up right where we left off last week, which seems to be the what Bravo is doing with this show to grab the audience, which is a great ploy, although I am still begging, uh, as I do every week, please get this show off Wednesday night at 10. And if you really give a shit about it, even if just once, put it on Sunday night after Potomac, especially the Potomac reunion, which we know are get, is getting out of this world numbers. Especially, I can't imagine next week's numbers on Potomac, which I'm going to talk about in a separate video, aren't going to be even higher than they were this week, given how it ended. People who don't even watch the show are going to tune in, if for no other reason, just to see the fallout from the last 10 minutes, even if nothing else happens the entire rest of the show. At any rate, what uh, Salt Lake City has been doing is uh, ending on a note with an event with a true cliffhanger, not just Bravo's typical showing us a pinch of what we want to see and, and what they have been advertising all week, but really giving us what I think are true cliffhangers because they've been stopping the episodes practically mid-conversation. And that's definitely what they did. So we pick right up where Jen had just finished or was sort of finished, I'm not really sure, telling her story about what uh, about her childhood and what happened and why she is where she is now. And, um, and, and just kind of why she approaches situations from a standpoint that some may find is a bit too on ready, especially if she feels some manner of offense coming her way. And um, she actually reminded me of another person on another show. Gosh, I can't remember exactly who it is. It's going to come back to me because it was definitely a housewife show or, or 
something in this vein that uh oh i know what it is it was um it was very much in the vein of Gigi, another character i like from the shots of sunset where you can tell that she had to do a lot of scrapping growing up now yes she is bit we know that Gigi's spoiled and all that but there's a lot behind the fact that she is on ready and not just to start drama, but actually like feeling like she, any little offense, she's all, she's ready to fight her way out of a corner that she may not even be in. At any rate, back to Jen. So this is some of the things that went on. I mean, it really sounds like two kids. So here's Jen. Don't wave your fingers at me. Uh, no, actually, I think this is Mary. Don't wave your fingers at me. I did not want to invite you. I don't want to talk to you ever. And Mary says, bye, Jen. Jen is like, if you open your eyes another fucking time, that slayed me because while other people at the table may, maybe because they're at the table, actually, I feel like they had to get it made, but I don't think not every audience member quite got it. Mary does have this thing that she does with her eyes where it's like, Mary's eyes have an entirely separate conversation that she may not even be having. But in that moment, there, there was this odd thing. And I think that it, Jen was just so annoyed. Mary was quite dismissive when she said, bye, Jen. <laughs> Whitney said, I came for the pasta. Absolutely. Jen said, open, you know, she said to open your eyes. Lisa said, I don't like the way it feels right now. Um, okay, Lisa. I mean, it, yeah, it, it would kind of be uncomfortable. Uh, Heather goes behind Jen and, um, Mary, Mary said something about, uh, <laughs> it seems, oh, who was it? Uh, they were talking about this thing seeming a bit hypocritical and that was Heather. And I actually kind of agreed with her because she was saying, you told people to tell their stories, but then you interrupted them. Mary said she didn't interrupt. Bravo does that thing that they show. And it seemed like she jumped in, but whatever. Um, and then, but it was really funny because you still get some of the Mary trust. She does come quick sometimes with the shade, but you also see where sometimes the fact that in a lot of ways she's got the shade and some in the street smarts, especially with all the shenanigans she has going on behind the scenes, which we already have talked about many times on this show and keeping up the the whole ruse about the grandmother and the marriage and all that which we all know for those listeners here we know that we don't believe because we know this the story um but we also know for all of that still not the brightest bulb in the box when it comes to basic conversation and conversational cues and this one in particular when heather was saying i'm just saying it seems hypocritical and i don't know if you picked up on mary saying i don't care what you've seen and it was just like okay girl blonde moment maybe it's all that the the dye from that horrific thing on your head then she tries to cut off Whitney and said something about, oh, be quiet. You're, you're just, you know, you're young. You're only 30. And Whitney is, I don't care what else happened during that night. Whitney won the episode as Della Reese says in 
uh, Harlem Nights about uh, it being in charge of the girls. Whitney was in charge of the girls with this one line. I may be 30, but you all are old as fuck and act like children or I think maybe 10 year olds. Boom. That that was it because she eat whether they were paying attention or not. She read everybody at that table, even if you weren't involved in the argument, because at some point or another, that has definitely shown itself. Even if for Meredith, who I who I'm I still have somewhat of an affinity for, uh, Meredith seems to shrink with Brooks, and I and maybe that's just because they're trying to make him a star, so she wants to play him up. But um, you know, even if I could have said, okay, screw the thing with uh Mary and Jen, I did not like the whole situation with coming at Whitney that way. So Jen decide, uh, Jen comes in for, comes back in for a few seconds, because at this point she is going to leave. She comes back in for a few seconds and she tosses something out there that I think probably would have played better in her favor in terms of shifting the room if she, if there were black people in the room. Jen's, um, Jen's shade towards Mary as it relates to the racial thing fell on, I think it fell on a lot of deaf ears on the audience because there wasn't enough of a reaction in the room for a non-black audience member, which most of this show probably has um, because Bravo's housewife watching uh, is pretty segregated in a lot of ways. Um, I think that the point, even though it didn't have anything to do with the argument, but of course, when you're fighting with someone, you're going to throw out anything that makes them look bad. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not mad at it because if we're in a fight, I tell people all the time, you don't get to legislate fights. Now we can uh, Monday morning quarterback them, especially if we're just... Uh, if we're viewers, but if you are the person in the fight, you don't really get to legislate how it happens. If we're going at it, then whatever I feel is in my arsenal to win, and maybe that's just my type A competitive, this is why I'm an attorney type personality, whatever it, whatever it takes for me to win, it's coming. And if you don't like it too bad, just don't fight with me. Now, I do try to keep my fights on point, but it also depends on who you're fighting with. And this is a sort of messy everywhere kind of fight. And it's also a fight that at least for Jen, I think has true feelings involved. Whereas Mary has shown is certainly in her dismissiveness that she does not have those types of feelings as it relates to Jen. My understanding of their relationship going back to episode one is that Mary and Jen were friends and I think, or at least in Jen's mind they were, and I think that's part of the problem um, that Jen put more stock in their friendship or at least the possibility of them being friends than Mary did. And I think part of that is because of the rationale behind it. Jen was A, putting stock in being friends with her because, you know, she wanted a friend and more importantly, wanted 
a friend of color being a woman of color and felt like that in and of itself would be something that in an area of individuals of um in an area where most of the individuals around you are uh, people of the majority population, especially to the extreme in an area like they are, where it is the whiteness wrapped up in the religion piece too, that um, I, I think that she was hoping for uh, that level of sisterhood on that level as well. The problem is, and I know that if I'm speaking to some of my white listeners, this part may be a little lost on you. And if you don't get it, I totally understand because it, you, you probably never will. It, some of you may even think that it's racist or whatever, but when you are not, um, there's some things that if you're not a minority, you will never get. And that's fine. Doesn't make you a bad person. Not talking down to you, not saying that you are racist or whatever. It's just, if there are things that are not your life experience will never be your life experience. And as it relates to something like your status in life, in terms of what the world sees you forward facing as, it's not a problem or an issue that, because for us, it can be a problem. So it's not a problem or an issue that you ever in a million years have to think about. So um, it is not, uh, it is, you know, you all can choose not to go into black spaces. We can't choose not to go into majority white spaces or we literally can't exist because that's not the world we live in. So I, I get so it, I know I went down a rabbit hole, but that was a bit of an explanation for some. And I think the problem with her wanting not only a friendship, but also a friendship where they share that special thing too, um, because, you know, we're, we're the two brown girls, is lost on that particular on the particular person that she sought it with because Mary isn't interested in being a part of a brown girl collective and I say that because of what she ultimately ended up putting out there about her, um, which is that uh, not only is Mary afraid of hospitals, but she's afraid of convenience stores, particularly if she sees Black people outside, um, which in my opinion would also explain the extreme skin bleaching. I also have a, uh, uh, as a quick aside, I also have a theory about those gloves. I think that uh, when it comes to that extreme skin bleaching and and the gloves and even the um the opera gloves and just all of that stuff is um her knuckles and probably even her elbows are probably are, are still dark or i mean all of ours are sometimes are darker than the rest of our fingers but hers may be even darker than that so um but anyway so we have this, or or not like the parts, not your knuckles, but that part uh, right below it, like right before, right above your fingers. So at any rate, um, 
she puts that out there and Mary, which is a pretty inflammatory uh, statement, doesn't back away from it and says, I mean, one thing about Mary, you got to say, if, if she in it, she stand in it. Now, she won't stand fully two feet in the fact that she married her step granddaddy, but she definitely um, stands in how she feels about the hospital thing, which is so girl, if you're supposed to be a first lady or not even a first lady, but an actual part of the ministry. But I guess she's like, look, we got assistance for the hospital visiting, or I guess Robert has to do that part. Um, but she says it when she sees, um, when she thinks of convenience stores or sees what, um, she doesn't spell it out, but we get the point what Jen describes outside. She sees violence. And so, I mean, we get the impression she's the same type of person who if she's walking down the street she and she sees uh, a men of a certain hue and particularly if they are together she may cross the street and that is her prerogative but I say all of that to it but I mention that in particular and couple it with the explanation I gave earlier in terms of the her and Jen thing is that there is an element that um, of their commonality that Jen may have felt would bond them even more, which made her ready to invest a lot more, a lot sooner into the relationship than Mary was because Mary definitely was not interested in that aspect of their bond. Um, and generally speaking, it just seems like, especially as you can see, even in the way that she talked to Whitney, um, Mary seems to be the type that, you know, if we're cool, we're cool. If we're not, we're not. And if we're not, I don't really give a shit. If you're bothered by it, I don't really give a shit about that either. And, uh, and it is what it is. But if you have someone on the other hand, who is a little bit more invested in it, then and they are emotional on top of it yeah i could see where it could get here unnecessary but i could see you know in terms of the histrionics but i could also see uh where it could get here and also i don't think i finished my thought earlier about the fact that um it was mentioned in the first episode that they were friends at one point and and then i started talking about the the brown girl thing but um, I, I also mentioned that because Jen said they were friends at one point and then the friendship, you know, that seemed to peter out or they had disagreement or whatever. Um, not sure if it was when she heard about the hospital thing or something like that. But again, it, uh, goes back to the fact that this, at least for Jen, even though, and it may have even have been explained, we know that there's hundreds of hours of film done which means that by the time they put together a show, there's hundreds of hours of film that meets the cutting room floor. You got to think about it. There are 24 hours in a day, even if they are recording uh, six or seven hours of it, that adds up. Even if they record six or seven hours, five days a week, that is 30 hours a week. You've already hit 120 hours of film that they've got to weed through just for one month of filming. Um, and we know that these women film 
uh, whether continuously, depending on if they're traveling or what, what have you, because then, of course, they want to capture the whole trip that Bravo paid for, or if there's just um, something going on in their lives and Bravo just doesn't want a chance of missing out on it. There's just, as much as we do see, there is eons more of what we don't. It's kind of like when they say we use 10% of our brain, we probably, as it relates to these show, well, first of all, we it, we feed like half of a, of a scintilla of a percent. But as it relates to this, what we see is what they piece together to create a story and still probably ends up being such a small percentage of tape they have, I wouldn't even try to come up with a number unless it's, you know, it's at an event. And of course, we'll see a lot more of that, especially if the event brings drama. So um, at any rate, uh, they they talk about that whole thing. And I'm just going to tell you just as a Jonda aside, if I was Jen, once you give me a gift, it's mine. You knew you didn't like me when you gave it to me. You even said that you didn't want to invite me, but you still sat some Louis Vuitton uh, earbuds at my place setting like everybody else. So when I left that room, I would have taken my earplugs with me because you knew you didn't like me when you gave them to me. So you don't get to take them back just because I end up leaving, whether I leave on my own or you put me out. It doesn't matter. Remember, you said you didn't want to invite me. So you had already given a bitch you ain't like some earplugs. So just because she left them, you going to keep them? That's just tacky. Heather should have said, no, girl, you gave these to her. And since you telling me to shut up and telling Whitney that she uh, is a child, then we just going to be children and whatever and put these in our bags and give Jen the earplugs that you gave her, even though you didn't like her ass anyway. And as far as that, not liking black people in groups, Mary is fine with black people in groups as long as they're at her church paying tithes. And yes, I said it. Just Jonda. Too bad if you don't like it. Um, so that was pretty much the luncheon because after that, everybody else was pretty gobsmacked. They just kind of sat there like, mm. <laughs> um, and the rest of the episode was, was decent. I think they spent, I mean, we've gotten so much action uh, so far. And of course, the big action in this episode was the luncheon. So they took the time, which I appreciated, to give us a little more home life with, uh, looks like pretty much all the ladies, really. Um, we got to see Jen talking to Sharif. He solidly has her back as always. I really like their communication. Um, I think that when you see how he and Jen communicate, it actually makes sense why she is so lonely when he's not around. He is a very large presence in her life and, and obviously the man, uh, the adult man in her life having lost her father recently. Her kids are growing up. 
Um, but she, and it, and it, you know, when we saw in episode one, they seemed like a perfectly lovely family. The boys seemed absolutely wonderful. Any mama's dream for a son-in-law. Um, and I, I just really think it, when you watch them together, like the pep talk before, or them just having this basic communication now, I, um, it, which we know, like not every couple talks that way. And it may seem like, oh, it's no big deal that they have, that they talk, he's her husband, they might as well. Do you know how many married people that everybody knows? It doesn't take long before couples stop talking or if they talk is what I call transactional conversation things that get them through the day things that keep the household running okay who's picking up the kids who's dropping them off let's do dinner whatever whatever but real conversation this is what's going on with me this is actually what's going on with me and my girlfriends even though you may think it's stupid but this is how it's affecting me what have you um that's like real friendship conversation so it it's if that is um, an indication of what their relationship is like between the pep talks and them just speaking generally, it would make sense that to have someone who um, you have that level of of just being solid within your life, that uh, they would be a presence that is missed at home, especially when you, you know, you're not chasing around your boys anymore. So, um, so that was fine. They also interspersed that we see Mary, uh, talking to Robert. Robert feels people are jealous of him and Mary. Boo, nobody's jealous of you and Mary. I mean, if maybe, uh, some folks who know you all who are not as well off as you, like some of the people you encounter in your church or your family, maybe there's some kind of feelings and stuff there, but other than that, nobody is jealous of you two. Trust, you used to bang her grandma. Nobody's jealous of that. Um, and uh, and again, I, I the the conversation that Jen and Robert have great conversation, but again, I think it was just lost on um or probably lost on this audience or the uh, I think that the, the audience for this show just like the women at the table did not um did not quite understand it and um the the conversation that she had with Sharif may have given the audience a pinch more insight on it but of course the conversation was not a very long one and again Perhaps if, as I mentioned earlier, if when she brought up the um, what a lot of us would call like the self-hating, um, you know, a conversation at a table where there were more um, women of color, particularly black women, because those are, are very hot button issues uh, in our community, that it would have caused a conversation among the women that would have given more texture to the viewing audience, which again, we know um, is is mixed compared to some of the shows because this show um, has done a very good job of having more of a, um, of a racially diverse cast. 
And um, I certainly know that it has been capturing even uh, vloggers and YouTubers who would not typically, uh, and, and some of them have even said it would have never occurred to them to review this show and that they were just going to review it once or twice and see how it went. And their numbers are high. And these are African-American reviewers and their numbers are high. So they've continued to review it. Um, so it's, it's definitely got a mixed audience. But again, I would say given just the trend on Bravo, um, a majority white audience that made this piece, while interesting, may have gotten a little lost. So it'll be interesting to see when or if this comes up again, particularly on the reunion, because I think that continuing to discuss it among the rest of the cast, that it, it's going to keep falling flat in, in the audience because the rest of the cast will be a combination of A, not getting it, and B, feeling too uncomfortable to participate, which makes sense because it's, it's a, a minefield for them and, you know, one that you would understand that they would not understand. So them trying to step into it could be very much a, um, uh, it, it, it may read, as condescension, especially among Black viewers. I think that uh, it, it's similar to the, like Sunday, and we're going to talk about this more with Potomac, when Andy mentioned the colorism issue because it was something that uh, had come up. And I suspect that probably someone on his staff drew it uh, drew it to his attention, especially since it had come up among um, on social media quite a bit, particularly as it relates to uh, Potomac, especially when the show started initially with all the women except for one being <laughs> being very, very light which again, hot button in, in our community. So um, when he mentioned it, he put it out there and then he sat back as he needed to and allowed the women to have that conversation because if he had tried to say too much, it would have been a minefield for him. So we'll see. To me, if Jen and Mary don't get to a point where they are having any real conversation that isn't just um, throwing jabs back and forth, it's really no point, uh, no point in going there because it's just going to be uncomfortable for the other ladies and for the audience. And it's just going to make Jen look bad. And already, as I saw with some reviewers, I think that uh, especially with one in particular, he kind of put it all, uh, tried to read it almost as if Jen was trying to um, co-opt, especially uh, since we there are people that we accuse of being culture vultures on a regular basis, that she was um, trying to co-opt being Black. And I've never got the impression that, that was, that's what Jen was doing. Jen has always made clear, my husband is Black, 
my kids are black when I came to this lily white town and did not look lily white as everyone else they viewed me as black I don't think that she meant they knew that she that she said she was treated like she was black I don't think that she meant she didn't know that she wasn't black I truly meant a believe because I've seen it that she meant without having an opportunity to explain but I absolutely knew what she meant that she saw being in where they were how white people how the white people there reacted to the black people there and that they that the same way she saw them the, the white people reacting to the black people they were reacting to her in the same way as a non-white person and therefore she was treated as if she was black that is a legitimate statement that anybody who they see who sees they are being treated like someone else exactly the same to say i see you're treating them like shit you're treating me the same way and saying the same types of comments that to me that you're saying to them so yes you you know this is the way you treat black people and this is the um this is the uh what do we want to call it? this is the box that you put me in so i got it some people didn't screw them okay on to lighter topics I'm not interested in Lisa and her internal love with her spouse and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, I mean, it's great. Okay, her and Lisa. Um, Lisa and her hubby hung out. We've, we've seen Lisa and her husband together. He loves her. He tells her she's great and the whole thing. That whole thing about throwing the Rolex in the snowbank. Now that I'm going to have to take a pause on. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Lisa had better be glad that that Rolex landed in the snowbank because if she was married to me or let's just say as a man to any brother I know, she would not have been able to come back in the house after throwing that Rolex out the window, especially if it got damaged and destroyed. Once she, or destroyed, once she threw that Rolex in the snowbank, she might as well have thrown her own ass right out the window with it. Because we're not going to play those games. Yeah, we can throw some clothes out and we can pretend we're doing this. And hell, you can even throw it across the room. Worst case scenario, you still might scratch it. But if you got Rolex money, then you should also have the money to get it prepared. But throwing my shit out a window into a snowbank? Like I said, you better throw your monkey ass right out the window with it. For me, it's still, uh, nothing has really changed, to be honest, with Lisa, uh, she comes off like the type who treats people as if they should be privileged just to be in her presence, including her husband. And I know that some people like her and that's great. It's just, um, it, it just doesn't read genuine to me. It's, it's no more genuine than like when they showed, cause you know, Bravo is mad shady when they showed her that time walking in the room and basically giving everybody the same compliment to me, that's, that's Lisa. And of course we'll, I think we'll get to see more of that live in living color next week when she does an episode you know when it seems like the episode is going to center around her being the queen of sundance that other people keep saying they really it's one of those titles that she must have given herself 
but um we'll see you know hey if you're bringing free liquor that's gonna uh, that's gonna get you in a lot of places i mean the bottom line is if you are willing to be the liquor sponsor at any events i plan lots of events that go plan lots of events and go to lots of events and the people who are always welcome with open arms and hell you can call yourself anything including a child of god if you want to um is the person who was willing to be the liquor sponsor that is why above and beyond anybody else you will see i don't care how allegedly classy the event is supposed to be if there is a liquor sponsor and they insist that they have branding all over the place and be you know the their logo be on the step and repeat and any freaking where else they want to if they want it on an ice sculpture floating from the sky they are going to get it because aside from food and sometimes even more so than food depending on the type of event because you may just be doing past hors d'oeuvres liquor is by and far your most expensive piece especially if you want people to write big checks you get them liquored up the checks get bigger so that's gonna get her entree so i'll give her that much girl keep slinging that tequila uh good for whitney and whitney's dad going into sober living i can tell that her brother wasn't necessary he's he's not necessarily feeling uh having to be dragged through this whole thing i also don't think he that that is his father i think he's whitney's father i could be mistaken but uh, i mean the it seemed like the situation with the brother is that he is a good brother being there for her but not necessarily pressed about being there for the dad but of course it really doesn't matter you're if you are supporting someone else through a difficult situation that takes its toll on you as well um especially when we're talking about something as intense as substance abuse so i mean if he's not feeling the dad I, i'm not hating on that as long as he's got whitney's back that that's what she needs so psh, whatever um I made a note here. The show's transition music in and out was kind of weird. There was like some yeah, yeah, yeah screaming song. Did anybody else hear that? I don't know. It's a little odd. Then we get to Meredith. And I know that this week's episode, we're probably going to end up with a lot of Meredith. So I'll really get to examine this issue a little bit more. Probably end up with a little bit more of that son of hers. But definitely more of Mer uh, Meredith because I guess this will be the week or maybe the next the next two where we have the whole um, Brock fashion fashion debut or whatever. But uh, we see Meredith talking with her husband. Pretty <laughs> these two are interesting. I mean, they're in. It looks I don't know if they stayed in a hotel together or if she just or if she came there, you know, to film the scene or what have you. But I, I mean, the way that it was like, okay, I I think I'm good with you rolling out i mean it was it was pleasant i mean if you're gonna have some kind of separation issue although right now they are together uh, 
But at any rate, as I told you before, they did file um, a petition officially in um, around August of 2019 and then pulled it in December of 2019. So, um, you know, they're trying to make it work. And I guess we'll see if that attempt gets through, gets them all the way through to the reunion. I have not heard anything yet about them filming the reunion. So hopefully that bodes well that we've got a good amount of episodes left because usually uh, brought when they, when the reunion gets filmed, the show is probably about a good three weeks or so from wrapping up like maybe four at the most so when we hear peeps about them filming a reunion then we know that the show is going to that the show is wrapping up and I think and I hope they give these ladies a reunion because it's definitely it's definitely going to be ripe for it so um uh, Mer- Meredith, I-, I don't really have much to say about her other than would could somebody please check her out the way that I have. She comes off like like she's on the dolls. If you don't know what that is, look it up or just look at Valley of the Dolls, one of my favorite movies. Very campy, but I love it. Um, she just comes off that way. And again, not accusing anybody of anything in a couple of dolls here or there. If they're a prescription, I have no issue with. She just has this very slurry speech that just almost looked like any minute she's going to pass out or fall asleep. Um, it's not all the time. When she is in her confessionals, She's very like on it. And we know that these confessionals are in large part filmed on this, like all at once on, um, that's, you know, when you see them in a different outfit, then that was a different day. But other than that, they are shown things and film their profession and, and film their confessionals. Cause of course the producers are goading them. Um, and I'm going to talk about something with the producers in, in a few moments as it relates to Jen. Uh, Mary and Heather go out. Heather, once again, being our sweet one, reaches out to Mary and um, wants to go to and, and have a meal and talk, especially because she did not like how they left things. She kind of felt like Mary may have uh, been under the impression that she was, you know, like, oh, I'm team this person and, and screw her. Um, and screw you at your own luncheon. And, and as we can see, that that did not in any way appear to be Heather's intention. Heather didn't want anybody to feel some kind of way. And of course, we get Mary doing that whole broken up cry voice thing that is annoying. And she's saying Jen is jealous of her color, her style, everything she has. I don't think anybody's jealous of your color because we can't figure out exactly what it is. Um, Jen has the flyest style on this show, even if sometimes she does a little too much. So is Whitney. I love Whitney's sleek looks. Um, Lisa isn't bad either. But she, I mean, I think Lisa keeps it pretty simple, but I haven't had, I haven't necessarily had a problem with anything Lisa has worn. She just hasn't wowed me. Um, well, I did hate that pink 
furry thing that she wore when they went to the ski slopes. But other than that, Lisa's kept it fairly simple. Meredith, other than that crazy dress she wore to the party, is fairly conservative. But um, nobody is trying to dress like Mary because Mary just dresses like she literally runs into her closet head first because when she comes out she doesn't comb the hair she runs into her closet head first and whatever wig and odd hat falls on it whatever jewelry designers whatever matching not matching that falls on her body she comes out in whatever she's covered in that is her outfit she, of course, is still lying about the will thing. I, You know what? I can't even do that anymore. And then she said, oh, it was so hard. It took two years to get married to Robert because I had such an issue with it. Girlfriend, it took you two years to marry Robert because between the family fighting the will and the fact that you were already married, all of the shenanigans took two years. Okay? Let's be clear. Now, we don't know what the shenanigans were, but we do know that she was already married. So if for no other reason than whatever time it took for her to get her divorce from a common sense standpoint, well, that's going to put a little pause on the marriage play. So let's, let's be clear. And it was a smooth two years from the time the grandmother died. Not the grandmother died and we're all just chilling and going on with our lives and whatever, whatever. And then at some point we fell in love and then, or or I came to terms with this will situation or whatever it is, this this um, hootenanny that she's trying to sell. Um, the bottom line is you were already married and that alone it's just going to pause things a little. One thing I did forget was Heather, Heather and her girls. Um, and it wasn't really that complicated, but it's it's just always nice to see Heather at home. I love the fact that she lives like the millionaire next door, <laughs> because if we were to do a hierarchy on who has the most money here, it is Heather. She's just not that kind of girl in terms of being obviously in terms of wearing her wealth everywhere all the time um and we see her and her daughter and you know the wannabe cool guy I guess he was a rapper or something that her daughter's dating and hey you just date him and screw him you don't marry him it's fine and um you know Heather is still like kind of dealing with um her struggle because clearly she is someone who cares about her faith and her faith walk. Um, I think the struggle, and it's, it's fairly clear, the struggle that she is having is how she is going to continue that faith walk, whether she continues it as an active Mormon or in some other type of way where she is still um, being uh, fed what she wants in terms of um, her faith and her belief in God and all of those things. And that is absolutely nothing unusual for anyone, whether you are 12, 22, 32, 42, or 52. It is not unusual because the way that our parents or families or whomever introduced us to 
faith or Christianity or Islam or whatever it is that um, is how you express your faith may not be when, where, and how you do it and what's comfortable for you, what works for you and your family, or even if you stay in the same faith, you may do it with a different church, with a different way of worshiping, etc. Because, I mean, you're a different person and, and with your own ideas about what matters to you and your personal relationship with God. And so um, I, I think all of this that Whitney is is going through makes perfect sense. And, and even more so that because she's in a transitional period in her life, her girls are getting older, she's divorced, all of that. So there's all kinds of transition going on. And it's, and, and, and it's probably, it made her question a lot of things. And uh, when we are going through transition, uh, there are, there's a lot of things that can occur with us and our faith. Now, for some, it makes you cling even harder to it. For others, you may have a crisis of faith entirely. And then for others, it may simply be uh, a question of when, where, and how you are, um, how you are engaging with your faith and beliefs and what that is giving you, or more importantly, what that is not giving you, but it, because you know, you need more, like, you know, that you're not going to, and clearly in the case of Heather, she knows that she's not going to turn away from God in, in some type of, um, faith walk, but it, you know, is Mormonism or maybe it, it may be Mormonism, but just not the strict, um, situation that she, uh, grew up in, which clearly was strict because she married her family when they were married, et cetera. So anyway, not to go down a rabbit hole with uh, Heather, but I, I just think that it's very um, interesting. And also, by the way, um, a lot of them, which is very smart because it's a newer show, um, uh, it's Heather and Jen in particular are very, um, very responsive to the fan base on, um, and not in a negative way, on social media. In fact, uh, while the show was literally on and in the scene after Jen talked to Sharif, I said, Oh, I really like their relationship. And within a minute or two, and I didn't even at her, I just hashtagged the show. So they are definitely watching because she liked my comment and I didn't even specifically at her. So, um, so it's it and Heather, same thing. Um, when she sees, the hashtag come up on IG, she'll like it or, or um, comment in some way. So good on them. It's it, again with, if, if you're trying to build people watching the show, uh, people feeling like you are responsive, that helps. And just a quick note on Jen. I said I was going to mention this earlier. So I'm going to break the fourth wall a bit as it relates to, as it relates to Jen. I personally, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again. I think Jen is being very, very poorly produced. Whomever is the person in charge of her, because, you know, there's, there's people behind the scenes and, you know, um, pulling the puppet strings. And if you ever saw, um, gosh, what's his name? I love this freaking show. It came on Lifetime. What's it called? Oh gosh. It was about reality TV. It's fabulous. They were 
filming a bachelor type show. I think it had like three seasons. It was really, really good. Um, but at any rate, the, so we know there's all kinds of mechanisms going on behind the scenes with these women. I think that whoever is producing Jen is not, is doing her a disservice because it is very clear that Jen has a big personality. She was probably chosen for this show because she has a big personality. So someone like that will bring it naturally. Don't goad them into doing more, which I definitely think is happening. Um, because what is going to happen, it is going to cross from them being a lot to unlikable. And I think that that would be unfortunate because she is an asset to this show. Lover or hater, you're going to talk about her. And whether you think that uh, she wants to be the queen bee or she is the queen bee or trying to be the queen bee or she thinks she's this and you know she's trying to ride the woman of color thing whatever it is that you may think of her or you're saying about her the bottom line is her name is in your mouth and that is what any show needs same thing with mary i may have an issue with the fact that you know she you know you're on here and you're um miss pastor whatever and and is constantly writing this storyline that was so easily debunked i think that's the part that bugs me with her because it's so easily debunked it's almost insulting that you that you keep trying it and i get it and i get it this show is not filmed in real time in fact this one in particular wasn't just filmed a year ago it was filmed over a year ago we're talking like not just pre-pandemic we're talking during 2019 probably wrapping up by early fall of 2019 because Andy was already touting it at BravoCon over a year ago, like November, 2019. So this film, so even when they're showing you Sundance, it's not Sundance 2020. It, this, this was even before that. So, um, you know, so obviously there's whatever the storyline was that she decided to go with and whatever the, um, she decided to say to the fans, this is like the life, this is how I am in this situation and all of that. All of that was filmed a long time ago, well before, you know, everybody found out about her and even before the show aired, but of course it was already filmed and, and put in a can. Um, you know, we knew all the other stuff and the family coming out and everything that's going on in real time. I, I get in, in her defense, there's nothing that she could do even if she wanted to, to um, try to clean any of this up because of, you know, the fact that it was already in a can. Doesn't make it any less annoying, but I still get it. You're still whack, but I still get it. Still marry the dude who was stripping your grandma, but I get it. You can't change it. No, I don't get it that you did that, but I get it that you can't change the narrative that you're selling as it relates to this show because real time and film time are two different things. So again, that's that was my weekly uh, knocking down the fourth wall moment. 
And I am going to wrap this up because I've still got to do Potomac. It doesn't look like that is going to get done tonight because it is 1.30 a.m. So I ran a little bit longer and I need to get some rest. So that is it for now on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. You guys have been so wonderful hanging out. And um, this has definitely been getting a lot of listens. So although um, these, this is obviously, as you know from listening to my podcast, the only types of things I talk about, I'm certainly not going to leave you hanging if I'm watching it and you all are happy to listen to me talk about it, then I'm happy to keep on talking about it. As always, you can find me on all podcast platforms, um, the big ones anyway. I am on Podbean, which is my host. I am on iTunes. Please, if you have Apple iTunes, go there, leave us five stars and a review. I'm on Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, and anywhere else where you listen to your pod, where you listen to podcasts. And um, follow me, like it, uh, engage with me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Let's Be Honest JJ. That's L E T S B E H O N E S T J J for Just Jonda. I would love to hear from you and interact with you and to hear what you're talking about and what you would like to talk about. I love taking topics from my listeners. Um, in fact, a lot of the topics that uh, we talk about, whether it's here or on my Fashion and Drama Diaries Facebook page, where we have a ball every day, um, we, I, I get from you all, people will DM me or, um, on Facebook, like, did you see this? And, you know, and I'll go, okay, I don't know if I'm going to talk about that, but I'll at least post it. And if people want to talk about it, they can, but if it's something I'm interested in, of course, I'll, um, do a bit of commentary on it as well. If you want to go over there, I'm telling you the one post that I did the watch and chat for Sunday's Real Housewives of Potomac, that thing is still going with prop. I would say it's it's got to be at almost 200 comments under that thread right now. It is, it's the, almost three days later. And that thing, just when I think it's going to stop, it picks up again. And I didn't review the show all season, just like I didn't hear. I mean, I kept up with it, but I didn't review it actively there. But um, as always, I will, even if I don't review a show, at the very least, I will do a reunion. Um, and so, and same thing with Atlanta, I don't, and plus Atlanta's, you know, it's, it's been on for too many seasons. That show should have went off three seasons ago. So, um, at any rate, I am looking forward to continued interaction with you. And as always, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, I'm thinking about it and want to talk about it with you. So stay tuned and let's be honest together.